1: Hi guys, quick one before we get into the episode. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster, which is the production suite that I've used from the very beginning of this podcast. And if you're interested in starting your own podcast, hang around at the end of the episode for our 30% discount referral code. Thanks. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. Are these your notes? These? Are these your notes about what we're going to say? Uh, anything. Just a short answer. So how many novels did you not finish? Oh my probably? God, so many. <laughs> it was perfect. What's she talking about? This is not a good question. Ooh, a spicy question. I love it. <laughs> this is it, guys. The big secret to getting published is you have to write a good book. I'm to hear first. We're going to Hello and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. As always, I'm Jamie and joining me today is the Senior Editor at Little Tiger Stripes Publishing, Matilda Whitehead. Hello, Matilda.
0: Hi, Um, welcome Call me Matty, everyone does.
1: Matty it is. Yeah. Great.
0: Hi. Thanks for having me.
1: How, how's it going, Matty? Yeah. Surviving the heat?
0: Just about. Just about. <laughs> but um, yeah, wanting to just be sitting outside with a book reading.
1: Um, That'll be nice.
0: Yeah. I mean, fortunately, that is part of my job. So I need to start incorporating that more.
1: Yeah, Yeah. you should. 100%. Well, let's kick off with your your job, um, your editorial escapades. You started out at Simon Mm -hmm. & Schuster uh, for a couple of years and then moved to Stripes. Is that right?
0: That's right, so I started at Simon and Schuster. I was interning in the um adult nonfiction team mm-hmm. um and then the job came up in the children's department, so I applied for that and was editorial assistant there for about two and a half years and then moved to Stripes as junior editor and I'm now senior editor there, and it's been about four years. Oh,
1: okay. I've been
0: here. yeah
1: so did um did you always want to work in children's when you saw the opportunity you went for it?
0: Yeah, I think when I first started out, I didn't quite know which, where I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, but my first um, experience of publishing was at Random House Children's Books in the editorial department, ah. and I completely loved it. And I think that was that was my first sort of taste of editorial of publishing, um, and it was a very cool one. Um, and then after that, I did um, sort of anything I could to be working with books. So I was in a bookshop for a bit. And I did internships at a legal publication, a legal publisher, and at a travel guide publisher. Um, So they're all very different. Um, But it was kind of cool because it really confirmed that editing was what I wanted to do. Um, Even with the legal publications, which I didn't understand at all, (laughs) I still really enjoyed the process. Um,
1: Uh, Okay.
0: Yeah. And so then it all, then, yeah, then I was in the nonfiction team and I was enjoying that. A little bit of adult fiction, but mainly on the nonfiction but it sort of seemed kind of like fate when the job in children's came up because that was where I started. And now I can't imagine working on any other books.
1: Oh, that's nice. So you, you, and we talked about this before we started recording, but you work at Stripes, but Stripes is sort of, it's part of Little Tiger, but Little Tiger is sort of bringing everything under one umbrella. Is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So Stripes is the fiction list at Little Tiger, the Little Tiger group. And now, so we're sort of the Little Tiger fiction list, but known as Stripes and still refer to ourselves as Stripes. <laughs> um, so just to make it really straightforward. Um, but we, yeah, we publish books for children that aged five up to YA. Um, so sort of from chapter books onwards, mm-hmm. um, which is very cool. So as Simon Schuster, I was working a bit on the pitch book list as well, which was, was really, really fun um and definitely learned some things there which have been really useful um now just working on fiction
1: as an editor that must there must be a huge difference between working on a picture book versus prose
0: definitely yeah trying to get i mean trying to get so much into those 32 pages in a picture book is mm. um is a it's a sort of challenge, but a very satisfying one. Um, and I'm in awe of all the picture book editors. The way they managed to—I remember reading. So when I was there, um, Osamah I mean used to publish Granddad's Island, which is Benji Davies, um, one of his books, and it is just completely brilliant. And I remember reading it and just absolutely sobbing, and then showing it to my mum, and she was sobbing, and then to my sister, who was like, "Oh, that's nice. Granddad goes on holiday." Um, and it's just the way that a picture book can do so much with so few words and those gorgeous pieces of artwork and how it all works together is, is very special.
1: Yes. And I guess, uh, you mentioned the artwork as a editor, you're working with, uh, two people, the, the, the author and the, uh, illustrator a lot of the time.
0: Yeah. It's such a cool thing about this job is that you get to meet so many amazing, talented people, um, and see what everyone brings to it in such a different way. Um, mm. I love that when you, you find, a. You know you have the text and you find that perfect illustrator. Um, and yeah, it's really fun being able to so we work really closely at Stripes with um the designers. It's very collaborative from the beginning. So we will work together to find the perfect illustrator. When the designer has done the brief we'll you know we'll go through it and pick out anything that we think we'd like to see in there that they might have missed or if there's any other details we could add. And then we get to see the roughs and then the finals and we get to feedback on everything. Um, yeah it's really cool um it's a it's a fun side of the job
1: yeah it it must be so nice seeing those projects grow from such a sort of fledgling stage up to their final forms
0: yeah yeah definitely yeah seeing the author's words come to life through the artwork and then yeah I love being able to share it share the artwork with the with the authors and seeing their reaction to it (laughs) um one of um one of my favorite well all my books are my favorite But, um, one really, um, one really special one I worked on was called Seven Sisters, which Aisha Malik wrote and then Erica Meza illustrated. And what was so beautiful about that book is that Aisha based all the characters on kids in her own life. Um, and she sent photos and descriptions. Um, I think one of my favorite descriptions was one of the kids was based on a baby that was like a month old. (laughs) So she was like, it's very long and thin, um, but so cute. And then Erica illustrated them. So these kids, I mean, they look like the kids, um, which is amazing. And actually some of the parents asked Erica if she would sort of do them special prints of them. Um and I think, you know, when you talk about representation and seeing yourself in a book, it doesn't get more <laughs> more sort of literal than that. Um, and yeah, so that was a really so special nice. project. Yeah. yeah
1: and it's great it's great to hear you the, the excitement in your voice just reminiscing about an old project that's so nice to to hear and and so talking about your role senior editor i think it's it's one of those roles that it's very easy from the outside to sort of look at that and just laser focus on all you do is edit books but there's a much larger sort of breadth to that role what what are your other duties outside of the editor the actual sort of literal editorial part
0: um yeah definitely I mean, one of the things i love about the job is the variety um see, before we get to the editing we have to find the books so oh. lots of reading submissions um which is fun it's also one of those jobs that i think every editor will agree is quite hard to fit into the working day um but Luckily, we most things we get are really, really good because obviously they've been through agents first. Yeah. Um, so lots of reading, um, and then there's also the contract side. Once you find a book you love, and you sort of hopefully you know you've pitched to the agent, you've hopefully they've agreed. Um, doing the contracts, that's been something that's been really interesting. Um, learning, learning about contracts, how it all works, the different phrasing, the different um, sub splits, and all of that. I think that's a really useful skill. Uh, Well, not useful. Well, yeah, useful skill, but also just really helpful to know as an editor um, Mm. to work out. So you understand where the money is coming from, how it works for the author, how it's the business. Um, So that's that's um, quite a key part. Do
1: you? uh, Is it you literally creating these contracts? Do you work with like uh, the a legal team to to help you with that?
0: Yeah, we have a contracts manager. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. want to be putting them together. But um, <laughs> yeah. um but it's quite fun sort of or fun. Um being it's it's satisfying um being mm. able to go through the sort of drafts and be able to pick out um the different clauses and sort of learn about the wording and where maybe we need to look at it a bit differently. Um and sometimes it's quite straightforward and sometimes you end up having negotiations which go on for a long, long time.
1: In a broad sort of sense what are, what are the main things that that the publisher is after in that contract and what are the main things that the agent is is trying to fight for in that contract
0: um i think the main things that we look at is i mean you agree the advance level when sure. you acquire the book yeah. so it's looking at all the different royalties and the different mm. sub rights splits so if you sell um to international publishers or yeah you sell on the rights to someone else um obviously it's trying to balance um make sure the author you know, gets the royalty that they need and that they obviously deserve for the book. And let me think. So yeah, looking at the sub splits and the royalties, and um, there's often industry standards. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just making sure that the the deal is fair and sort of comparing to other contracts in the list um, and wording where to often rights are reserved to the author. Um, So often sort of dramatisation and merchandising rights the author will retain. So it's making sure that that wording's in there and that's clear. Um, And looking at sometimes those wording about making sure that every deal is run by the author and agent before it's approved. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I think those are the ma- those are the main things. I say that's where we sort of generally have the back and forth, looking at another thing is looking at options. So if the author writes another book in the series um, or another book for that readership, sometimes we have an option clause in there, which means that we get a first look. But okay. obviously, some authors might want you know might not want to commit to that straight away. So all that sort of wording, making sure that yeah, the author sort of covered for any eventuality.
1: But it's all, I mean, especially with um, sort of lesser known or debut authors, its it, I imagine it's all pretty industry standard, the, the contracts there.
0: Yeah, yeah, generally, yeah. And I mean, ind- that's a good thing. So our contracts manager is sort of very aware of industry standard and what's changing. So we're able to keep up with what's happening Yeah, yeah. So for debut, it's generally, and I mean, it depends on the agent as well. Sometimes, um, because different agencies will have different um, standards that they have, and yeah, you sort of get used to it. We've got a massive spreadsheet with everyone's royal sort of contract details, so we're able to um, sort of see see where we're at and what you know, if it's a second book in a series or um, another book and a new new contract with an existing author, sort of matching what we've done with previous ones, or you know, depending on um, you know, they might want to negotiate. Slightly different terms, but yeah, sure. lots of negotiation. That's also a key part of the
1: job. <laughs> okay, and that's always with the agents, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So let's move over to um, picking the books. You know, you get the submissions, uh, and then it's the, the, there's this whole commissioning process. Are, are almost all of your submissions from agents?
0: Yeah, we only really see submissions from agents okay. um, just because we get between five and ten a week from agents and I don't think sure. we could we couldn't we couldn't look at any more yeah, um, yeah. And so quite a lot as it is so mainly from agents I so I went to Bologna Book Fair in 2019 um, as part of a scouting trip that um, Daniel Han set up with the Arts Council England and Book Trust mm-hmm. um, and that was amazing it was for editors to go to sort of meet international publishers and so sort of encourage um uk editors to be looking a bit wider um and actually since then so we acquired a finished book from that and i've been sort of keeping up regular meetings with those international publishers and so i'd love to i'd love to find something that i mean it's not through agents that's through publishers Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's but other like a than whole that,
1: different uh, branch of the of the situation where that sort of publishers help working with other publishers
0: yeah yeah because we sell. i mean uk publishers sell so many rights internationally yeah um, and yet we publish so little from other countries um so it's definitely something we've got um a danish ya coming out next year and we've got our finnish series um and yeah i yeah i'd love to i'd love to find more and i i studied spanish and latin american studies so i'd love to find something from latin america um oh yeah
1: that's very cool
0: yeah, I think it's, it's just because when I, you know, in my degree and I've got family who live in Mexico or lived in Mexico, um, you know, we read, I loved reading international fiction, translated fiction. Um, and I think it just brings such a different, you know, it's the whole idea of literature being a window um, into a completely different culture, but also the similarities, which I think is so important um, and also to do with empathy, which especially in children's books, I think is so important. Um yeah, I would love to love to find something. Um but obviously that brings in the whole, then you have to get translators and it it's yeah. it is a more complicated process, but um it's one that we've done a few times now. So I'm hoping we can do some more of.
1: That's cool. Yeah. And and a great way to, as you say, like get uh, so sort of diverse voices from all around the world, from all, all different cultures. So um when it comes to the submissions, is it you that's being sent them directly from agents? Are you the sort of one of the first people to read the submissions?
0: Yeah, so we, what we generally do, there's so there's five of us in the um, editorial team and submissions can come in to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we do is we share them around <clears throat> as soon as they come in. <clears throat> sorry, we share them to the team or send them to the team and then if anyone sees it and thinks oh this sounds like it could be for me they'll take a look and we have regular meetings to discuss what we've been reading um often we'll get emails from agents sort of saying that there's been interest in something and it's starting to move so someone will you know jump on that and take a look um and if there's something that I've read and loved I'll sort of make a note to the team and ask someone else to have a look um and if we as a team feel like it's something that would work for us, we then send it to the sales and marketing and rights teams um, to have a look. And hopefully once we've got them on board, we take it to our publisher and our CEO and sales director um, and get them to hopefully sign off on it. And then, then we can offer.
1: So it's very much um, chosen by committee. Like you need every department and each each person to sort of sign off on it until, you can give the yes to the agent and author.
0: Yeah, it does need to be, you know, I mean, we want the sales team's feedback because if they, they're the ones that um, sort of know what's going on, what's selling, uh, yeah. what retailers are looking for. So it's really helpful to have their feedback. And then, yeah, I mean, look, we're very fortunate in that we, we're not an independent publisher anymore because we were bought mm. by a Penguin Random House a few years ago, but we still function very much as an independent publisher. Um, we're not affiliated with Penguin Random House UK at all. Um, so we still have that quite small indie feel, um, and I would say it's you know if there's a, po- a project that we feel really passionate about, we're generally able to get it to get it through. I mean, it's it, there's a process,
1: but yeah. Um, yeah, obviously it's a long, a long um, complicated process with many cogs.
0: Yeah, but I it, it's slightly more informal than for example, at Simon & Schuster was, I think that's the benefit of being a slightly smaller publisher um, and also having worked, you know, lots of people, Little Tiger have been there for, for years and years and sort of very, there's a real feel to the list and I think um, a lot of trust, which is really lovely and yeah. um, there's a trust that if you like it and you're passionate about it, that you'll make it work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's um. Let's get into the nitty gritty then of of, of um, the sort of core of your job, the editorial part of it. you I mean you mentioned that you get you receive about 10 submissions is that you individually or the the editing team receives 10 and
0: um, that's that's the editing team okay. Um, okay but i'd say i probably get at least 5 if not more a week
1: okay how many books um books and authors are you usually working with at any one time
0: um usually hmm. I mean I probably over the year work on about between twelve well, up to fifteen okay. books a year. Um at any one time, maybe I'm just looking at my to-do list. Um <laughs> probably about eight or nine. because um, wow. 'cause they're all at the different stages. Yeah. Um so yes, I'll be working on first drafts, you know, copy edits, layouts for a text, um contracts for books we've got um what we also do at little tiger which is quite a big part of our publishing is in-house ideas Mm -hmm. when we come up with a concept in-house and develop it um, and then send out the brief to authors and agents um who send in sample writing um and then we pick an author based on that um Uh. so it's it's really fun it's really I really love it because it's a really creative, it's more sort of using the creative side of your brain to um I mean it's all creative, but coming up <laughs> with those ideas and then seeing them become books um is really exciting and having that um being, you know, being able to part of it is sort of looking at what's doing well for us, what's doing well in the market, what gaps we have, um, and coming up with ideas to to fill those gaps. Um and yeah, and so actually diving at Central Witch, which is one of our um theories that we launched last year that was an in-house originally an in-house concept and then honor and pedster cargill have just i mean it's incredible what they've done they're such talented writers and then katie saunders has illustrated it and i so i worked on that with um our editor at the time ella widette and it was just really it was like our baby seeing this idea that we'd had together and that we'd worked up become these amazing books um, yeah. it was very exciting that's um,
1: that's great because that's something you 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 don't always get in in your role as a as an editor is it that that sort of creative side of things
0: yeah i think it's something that um i know when i was at sns we talked about doing it or wanting to do it quite a lot but it was just it it is time consuming and you Mm. sort of have to really put aside the time to do it and it's it's not easy and also it can be quite daunting because you put in a meet someone puts in a meeting saying new ideas and you think ah i've got to come up with something like how (laughs) how do i do that yeah um but actually this year we sort of did a creative day out where we went to loads of bookshops um and the Cartoon Museum and then sat in a park and actually came up with loads of stuff and it was really fun just as a team to sort of bounce around ideas. Um and yeah, and actually we're starting a graphic novels list, which is oh, very cool. exciting. Yeah. Or we're looking into graphic novels. And so that's something where we've been trying to come up with some some ideas and find some writers um and artists. So yeah, So that's a really cool part of the job.
1: Yeah, it sounds nice, and it sounds like you had a really nice. It sounds like the office culture is very good. Um, these sort of nice day out, creative, and things like that. And you know, you're you're starting a comic book thing. You work from was it MG up to YA, or was it five up to YA? From
0: five, yeah. So yeah. from yeah, age five. So from really, some books I work on have three thousand words and ninety-six pages, and are mostly you know, sort of almost full page illustrations and then yeah. others are 90,000 word <laughs> YA, um, quite a range.
1: Yeah. So, I, I mean, that in itself seems like big, but like, then when you go deeper, it's like every story and you as an editor work, you'll work closely with the authors. Every person is very unique. Do you, does that mean that you have to like approach every project in a very sort of open and, and, and different way?
0: Definitely. Yeah, it is because each author is different. I think it's something that I think sometimes people forget is that authors are people. You know, we set these schedules and then actually stuff happens life happens lockdowns happen um and it all becomes you know kind of goes out the window a bit um so I think a key part of being an editor is just being really flexible and like you said being really open yeah um talking you know getting to know the authors finding out what works best for them um like I worked with Sita Brahmachari on her YA novel When Shadows Fall and that was such an amazing experience for me as an editor because Sita is such an experienced writer and so passionate and does so many amazing things with her books and is also probably the most open author to edits I've ever met in that you'd send an edit and you'd get like a whole new manuscript back. Um, oh, wow. But then she was saying that she, as an experienced you know author, will get edits and you spend so long trying to word your edits in a way that, you know, you're used to sort of softly, softly trying to be nice, trying to, and actually Sita was like, just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it because I trust you and you know, we want to do, we, you know, I spent so long unpicking all the, um, all the comments. Um, and actually I just want to get to the heart of it. Whereas I know other authors do need a bit more hand holding and can feel a little bit like, you know, you're pulling the book apart or that, because obviously you're writing the whole point of edits is what well, you are celebrating the good, but you're trying to bring out more of it and yeah. strip back some stuff that's not working as much. So you don't want it just to be a whole letter of criticism. Um, so actually I always find writing the editorial letter at the initial, you know, we sort of do a structural edit to begin with. Yeah, I always find that really daunting and it ends up taking me probably the best part of the day to write it, to combine everything in a way that's clear, makes sense, but also isn't too overwhelming and also feels ultimately positive. Um, Yeah. yeah. I think, actually, I remember, yeah. because um, yes, I think you've spoken to Kezia Lupo. Um have, Yes. And I remember seeing her post something on Twitter about that people don't realize that it's actually really scary for an editor. Um, like I always have a thing when I read a first draft and you sort of feel this pressure that you've got to make it better. You know, your whole point of you being there is to make it better. Um, and sometimes you read something and you're, you know it's not quite working, but you can't figure out what and you sort of think, oh my goodness, what if I what if I make it worse? What if I don't know what the answer is? Um and then you have to send it to the author and you're often not sure how they're going to react um yeah so it is it can be quite quite daunting but then there is that sort of magic moment i was working on something the other day and it was really good but i was like something is just not something's not working and i can't tell what it is and then you have that sort of oh I, it is one of the best things about of my job is that when you have that moment and it clicks into place and in this example it was um that she had written it in third person but actually I was like, I think it would work a lot better in first person, and then the second draft came in, and I was like, yes, it does work better in first person. <laughs> um, and I mean, I wish we'd talked about it before because, poor author, it was quite a big job to change. Um, that is a
1: big job, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. And it was something she had not done before, so I think she was quite daunted by it. And we had a few sort of phone calls about it. Um, yeah, lots of reassuring, but um, yeah, it was sort of worked out really well. So yeah, I think authors authors talk about how they're scared when they send off their drafts of how people will read it, but editors are also scared of how people will read their edits. Um, But ultimately, I mean, I'm incredibly lucky and work with just the most lovely group of authors um, who are all very nice.
1: Yeah. And and they're scary. (laughs) And presumably the authors have, they've been through the submission process of, or whatever, of, of meeting with agents. The agents has the agents have worked on edits with them as well, so hopefully, they are at least expecting you to just not say, "Oh, this is the greatest book ever written." No, no notes. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's very rare that that happens. Um, yeah, but there's always, you know, I think we always have to remind, like you said, they they've been through the process. I think for some people, maybe it's that they've been through that process before and so then Mm. to go through it again can be a little bit tiring um but as we always reassure them you know we bought the book because we love it um we wouldn't have you know we read all of us read so many submissions so many books all the time and the fact that you know if it was up to me we'd publish all of them um (laughs) but we obviously can't so you know the fact that we've chosen to publish these books means that they're you know we think they're really special
1: yeah I mean, it, it makes perfect sense that, that editors would, I would be incredibly anxious. I'm anxious in, just in my critique group when, when I'm thinking, oh, I need to, I wanted to send this critique note to someone. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings though.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing because it's so many feelings. It's such a personal thing, um, yeah. writing, that it is always, you know, like you said, you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or you never know where the, well, often you do know where the story's coming from because the authors often talk about why they, why they write things. Um, and I think yes. that's another actually important thing as an editor is there's, you know, sometimes stories are very personal and reflect experiences that the authors have had. So it's sort of taking them in board, on board and making sure sort of sensitive in how you're responding to that. Um, and if there's a sort of purpose, for, so see when when Shadows Fall, Sita um, had a real purpose that book had a real for her had a real purpose of sort of encouraging creativity and reaching out to communities that have been forgotten um and so that in as part of the editorial process we sort of had to keep that very much at the forefront of what we were doing to make sure that it didn't lose that um yes there's lots of when you're editing there's your brain sort of like buzzing with all these different things um
1: yeah because because it's not just that it's the the writing doesn't exist that like on its own it, it it comes with the author, and you need to understand but it's a compromise as well and, and you putting some edits down for an author doesn't necessarily mean you must make these changes or 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 nothing's going to go ahead with this book
0: oh exactly, yeah, and that's always something we sort of say is you know these are just suggestions, and also you know if there's anything that you're not sure about, we can have a phone call about it um and yeah, there's sort of ways ways around it but yeah it's 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 never a case of you know, unless it's something that's harmful or mm. offensive, which luckily <laughs> none of my authors write. Yeah. Um, you know, unless there's anything really bad, um, there's always a compromise.
1: Well, presumably you, you probably wouldn't have picked up the book if there was something. Well,
0: really yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point. Um, but also in terms of things that you know unconscious bias is obviously a thing that everyone's talking about a lot at the moment and i think we should be which is why so we have sensitivity readers for our books to make Mm -hmm. sure that you know and i mean our authors our authors often ask for that because you know they want to do the best they can for their readers in terms of making sure characters feel true and relatable Mm -hmm. and accurate um which i think is a really important part of the process um and yeah, so yeah, but like I said, if there was anything awful, then okay. we
1: wouldn't have bought it. <laughs> yeah. Then, then there'd be, there'd be an issue. Yeah. Um, and before we get onto the final question, um, I, I have to ask, have you ever written or wanted to write something yourself?
0: Um, yeah, a lot of people have asked me this recently. <laughs> um, and so when I, when I was at SNS, I did do, um, a tiny bit of writing, um, I wrote Snow Kisses and Hugs and Kisses, which were two little board books, oh. um, which were sort of reuse artwork from um, Judy Abbott, who's this amazing illustrator. And they were sort of nine nine rhyming couplets. Um, oh. And it was actually really funny because the first one, I think it was quite a quick process. So we basically just, I mean, it was so saccharine. I remember reading it out <laughs> to our tour director and being like, I'm so sorry. Um, but it was, yeah, it was quite fun to do. And we sort of just put that in. And then the second one, um, one of my colleagues edited it and it was the first time I've been edited and I did not enjoy it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Alice, you're wrong. I, my work is perfect. Um, and obviously she made it so much better. Um, and it's always quite interesting to have that insight, even just on, it was literally nine rhyming couplets. It was so, so yeah, straightforward. Yeah. Um, but it did make me appreciate being on the other side, um, of the process. But other than that, I've not, no, I think, um, I don't really, I, I, don't have there's nothing that I feel or I feel like I read so much um children's you know for work children's books and outside of work and I just think I don't know I can't I don't think I'll be able to think up an idea that wasn't completely original um or that Mm. was completely original I think because I've read so much it would always be informed by something I'd read um and I just yeah I'm, I'm in awe of people who can sit down and write um I'm I'm very happy in my role as editor just to to help to get it's such it feels like it's such a privilege to get to work on these amazing books. Um and I love the relationship that an editor and an author have. It's a really special one, I think, of trust. And you become really you know, you sort of learn lots about different people. Um and yeah, no, I'm happy, very happy just editing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's so true, but it, it's uh it becomes, I think, a very Um, strong relationship between an editor and author. Obviously, as time goes by, even stronger because you just have to be very truthful with each other, and it's it's sort of forced. It's a requirement of the relationship is that you have to be good at communicating; otherwise, it won't work.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely yeah. The communication is so key. Yeah, and I think something that we want, I think what books do really well, and that we want all our books to do is sort of empathy, and I think that is also something that. In the relationship is quite key, sort of being able to understand what's going on with someone else in order to sort of get the best um, out of them. Um, and also as an editor, being able, you know, if someone tells you actually I don't like this or I don't agree with this, being able to be like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> as much as authors don't want to, maybe don't want to change their work, I think sometimes editors are like. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah. I thought yeah, my yeah. suggestion was quite good. But fine. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But it is, it's all compromise. Yeah. That's really really interesting, and, and uh, I've learned a lot. I think from this chat about uh, about uh, the role of an editor and, and what it's like. And that brings us to the final question, which, uh, as always, is Matty. If you were stranded on a desert island, but could take a single book with you, which one would it be?
0: And um, this was, I was saying earlier, that it's a very difficult question, um, <laughs> but a fun one to think about. And I think I would have to take *Girl Up* by Laura Bates. Okay.
1: Um,
0: which I mean Laura Bates, I just think is one of the most fantastic people. Um she so she founded the Everyday Sexism Project um mm-hmm. and she's written several books. Um she is incredible. She goes into schools and talks to young people. Um, she is also just completely lovely. Um, she's published so SNS published her books, so I've met her a few times through that and she is just wonderful. But Girl Up is my sort of go-to book if i'm ever feeling down or lacking confidence or if something's happened because it's just so funny um but also important i think and it really speaks to women and young girls um it sort of is all about your confidence and standing up for yourself and actually knowing what's right or what you know what you deserve or and um, how you should be treated and yeah i mean it's like but I think what she does so brilliantly is that it is just really funny um, and so yeah. relatable. Um, so I do go back to that book quite often as it is. And I think if I was, if I could only have one book, that would be one book that I'd be happy to just keep reading over and over again.
1: Oh, well, great. Sounds amazing. It's such an incredible talent. I'm always in awe of um, authors who can be just so funny, but at the same time are making serious points and talking about very deep issues
0: yeah and i think that's one of laura's skills is when you hear her talk she is so i mean she knows she's just a a fountain of facts um (laughs) and she's always so calm and measured and she comes up against people who aren't so calm and measured and she's always you know she's just got that real way of getting to the heart of things um and yeah making things you know presenting things in a way that you can completely absorb and relate to and they're inclusive and funny and yeah. I don't have an I, I could talk about Laura
1: all day but um <laughs> I won't <laughs> yeah. yeah let's wrap it up before we this <laughs> <goes on. Yeah. laughs> but a great great choice and it sounds like she's a real um inspiration which is, it's lovely to know that you you met your hero and and she didn't disappoint <laughs> she did not <laughs> well thank you so much Matty for coming on and um sharing your your experience and your uh, everything that you sort of learned uh, with us and me and everyone listening it's been really great chatting with you
0: oh thank you so much for having me
1: and um for anyone listening, if you want to keep up with uh, what Matty's doing, you can follow her on Twitter at Matty2507 uh, or head over to the Little Tiger website, www.littletiger.co.uk. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK or on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks again for coming on and chatting to us, Matty, and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for hanging around until the end. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, but aren't really sure what that looks like, I can't recommend Zencaster enough. It's so simple to host, record, and download your podcast with, and it even has a built-in transcription AI. It functions entirely in the internet browser, which means all your guests have to do is click on a link, and they'll be brought into the conversation. If you click on the link in the description, you'll get 30% off the first three months. All you have to do is click on the link in the description. Thanks again for supporting the show, and we'll see you in the next episode.